0: Welcome to Canada's Podcast. Hi, this is Angela Fay from Canada's Podcast. Unbridled innovation of the past 35 years has brought the world closer together and unlocked huge economic value. But technology has also led to increasing digitization of the economy and has grown a new class of so called digital giants. And through their actions to collect, broker, and benefit, From the new wealth of data, these digital giants have obtained a high degree of influence across a wide range of economic activity. Around the globe, governments and policymakers have taken note of these digital giants. I was curious what was happening to protect and encourage competition for small and medium business, even enterprise level companies here in the digital era. That's when I discovered the Canadian Competition Bureau. It's their responsibility together with Canada's policymakers, to both protect competitive markets and help ensure that we experience the full benefits of healthy competition. So uh, we reached out and today I'm speaking with Matthew Boswell, the Commissioner of Competition. And today we're gonna to get an inside scoop on the Canada's Federal Competition Bureau, how it is relevant for businesses and consumers, and how the Competition Bureau helps Canadian businesses be competitive and why it's important for 1 million Canadian small and medium enterprises out there to know about the Bureau. So welcome to Canada's podcast, Matthew.
1: Thanks very much, Angela. It's great to be here.
0: Now, I understand the Bureau underwent a restructuring to improve its ability to ensure that Canadian business uh, remains competitive. Can you tell me a little bit about the Bureau? Give us some inside scoop.
1: Okay. So the Bureau is an independent law enforcement agency of the federal government. And, and that's very important aspect of describing us. And we, uh, our business is to protect and promote uh, competition in Canada for the benefit of Canadian consumers. And so that Canadian businesses of all sizes can prosper in a competitive economy uh we're located in gatineau quebec which for those of you who don't know the ottawa area is just on the other side of the ottawa river from parliament hill uh we have about 400 staff in our main office and three regional offices um of course those 400 people have been working from home uh throughout covid (laughs) but we've been able to um work very effectively and uh, to enforce the law that we enforce, the primary law that we enforce is the Competition Act, which is uh, a, a law, a federal law of general application that applies to uh, businesses across the country and many aspects of how they do business.
0: Now, 400 seems quite uh, quite a large number of people working on uh, competition and and. Of course, this is just the legal aspect of it. So how does the Bureau compare in size, scope to other competition enforcers around the world?
1: So let me start, Angela, by, uh, by saying, um, reminding the listener or your listeners that like, competition is a key pillar of a free market economy. We live and thrive and prosper in a free market economy. Many people say the reason we won the Cold War was because we had a free market economy and the Soviet Union didn't. Uh, we're able to be more productive, to have innovation, to have business dynamism. So uh, 400 people uh, for the whole country, we're, we're responsible for competition for the whole country. Uh, it's actually a small number when I get into more detail about th- what we do. Um, and so. Compared to many of our colleagues around the world, the bureau is quite small. I can say though there's positive news on that front uh, we've We've been sort of um, at a level of employees uh, lower than twenty years ago until very recently, uh, and our budget had been stagnant for over ten years until very recently in the spring of twenty twenty one um Parliament announced uh, an increase to our budget, a significant increase uh, over five years, and then a permanent increase after those five years uh, of twenty seven and a half million dollars per year so that's it's a big deal uh, for the competition bureau and it it will help us in tackling the incredible uh, challenges we face in the modern Ah, uh, digital data-driven economy, and enforcing the competition the competition act in that economy. So, we're catching up to some of our peers. Um, although, if you look at uh, competition agencies in the United States, uh, they have two federal competition agencies, and each state as an enforcement team that works on competition issues. So obviously a a significant commitment in the United States, places like the UK and Australia, uh, much bigger commitments. But uh, we like to think of the Bureau that we're uh, relatively small, but quite mighty in what we're able to accomplish uh, in our work uh, every year. And, and we aim to accomplish even more for the benefit of Canadian consumers and businesses going forward.
0: And I think we're going to talk a little bit later in the podcast about uh, this the scope of, of projects and, uh, I guess, legal cases that are happening right now that you're defending. And I think that will help put some perspective on your department in comparison to what's happening With these uh, mega giants. But uh, Mm -hmm. before we get to that, so that's going to be exciting stuff because, of course, it's all curious what's happening. Uh, But I want to go back and say there's a lot of discussion going on right now about competition and innovation in Canada, especially as we're trying to foster economic recovery. So, can you tell us a little bit uh, about what you think Canada can do better in terms of competition and innovation?
1: Hmm. Well, it um, <laughs> depends how much time I have because I could right. go on uh, I could go on about this for a long time because this is really a subject that's near and dear to my heart. As I've already said, competition matters, uh, mm-hmm. matters incredibly to our economy. And so it matters perhaps more now than ever before, as we look at uh, an economic recovery from COVID. And um, looking at getting the economy going full steam again, um, driving productivity growth to help pay down uh, debt that was incurred throughout COVID to respond to the difficulties of COVID and to spur innovation uh, in our economy. Innovation is so incredibly important. And competition is a key, if not the key catalyst to innovation. What drives p- people to get better, to innovate, yes. to have new products, new services for their customers? Well, it's because there's somebody down the road who, to use the sort of expression, is going to eat your lunch if you don't innovate, if you don't get better. So competition, healthy competition, uh, is vital to our economic recovery, um, To to you know, sort of the future of Canada's status as a G seven country, we can't allow the current situation to uh, become worse. To you know, reduced business dynamism, higher levels of business concentration, mm-hmm. uh, further regulatory barriers to competition in Canada. Those are all big, big problems that we absolutely have to avoid. So we have to have. We have to have, quite frankly, Angela, um, a much more focused debate and discussion in Canada about competition. And, you know, the Bureau spends a fair bit of time advocating for competition. So we enforce the law, but we also have an advocacy role. We um, reach out to governments at all levels to uh-huh. promote Uh, pro-competitive policies and to, uh, you know, to highlight where policies or laws or regulations might actually be hindering competition. And so, in doing so, hindering uh, the economy. And the other thing uh, I just want to talk about in terms of the economic recovery is, you know, um, a proper approach to promoting competition in the economy in the recovery can also help Make the economic recovery more inclusive by allowing uh, for small, medium-sized businesses to enter, to grow, to expand. You allow more people to play in the economy and to, you know, to be self-sufficient, to hire people. We all know um, how many, how what percentage it's huge the percentage of canadians that are employed in small and medium-sized enterprises so we need to encourage that we need to encourage that kind of business dynamism people with an entrepreneurial spirit starting small businesses and being able to compete without you know suffering under anti-competitive conduct from the big players right. so it's I, I as i told you at the beginning of this answer i can get quite uh, worked up <laughs> about this But, you know, on the positive side, the government has recently announced that it's going to um, engage in a review of uh, the Competition Act and competition policy in Canada. I can't tell you today how that's going to how that's going to shake out, but it's, you know, they've made some initial uh, announcements about possible areas they're going to look at, which is um which is great news for the enforcer the people tasked with enforcing the law and and we have certainly a perspective on what works and what doesn't work in our law so that's good news and um i just you know encourage anyone listening to this to really think hard about competition um we can we're going to talk about you know if there's if they're victimized uh how they can reach out to us later i'm sure but you know, but also to use their voice in their community to advocate, to advocate to their municipal government, their provincial government, if there are things that are hindering competition that uh, that aren't necessary that are getting in their way.
0: Well, and uh, Matthew, you mentioned the Competition Acts being revised, but I think it's actually worth touching right now on what are the most important rules that Canadian business owners need to know about competition in your bureau. What what are the Categories of, uh, I guess, complaints or competition that you enforce. And what I mean by that are things like, you know, price fixing or general, mm-hmm. you know, categories. What what?
1: Uh, so, um, if if we're speaking, and I think we are, to a, hopefully a lot of small, medium-sized enterprises, people running businesses, and who want to know about. Competition and how it could in, impact their business. Mm-hmm. Um, a few thing, a few key things to think about on the compliance side, making sure okay. they don't go offside. Yes and then we can talk about a few things to watch out for where they might become victims. Okay. So yes. on the compliance side, obviously, um, uh, price fixing and bid rigging are two uh, sections of the Competition Act that are crimes. Federal crimes right. where you can, if you commit those crimes, you can go to prison uh, right. for up to 14 years, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. Or for price fixing, you can be fined up to $25 million. Uh, for bid rigging, you can be fined in the discretion of the court. So you don't, in any way, those shape, are or nasty form,
0: things. Don't go there. Want to <laughs>
1: contravene those provisions. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you'll, you, this, the penalties are one thing. Your business reputation, if you are uh, being investigated and then charged, is going to, you know, be seriously damaged. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can get search warrants to uh, go into your business premises and and look through all your files, all your computer files, all that sort of stuff. We can also get wiretaps and we can listen to your phone conversation. So um, those are definitely no-go zones. Right, right. Um, And there's another area that's important and it's emerging um, it's emerging more in the online world, um which is deceptive marketing. And so right. we have a section of the Competition Act that deals with false or misleading advertising marketing. And there are many different pitfalls in that area. For example, um, fake online reviews, you know, you don't want to be hiring companies that will say they'll you know give you good online reviews and you pay them. And then they have people who go on and make up reviews or uh, put, you know, five-star ratings on stuff. And when it's not legitimate, that's offside our, our law as well. Um, we call that astroturfing. It's like putting a fake one. Um, <laughs> uh, also, you know, companies have to be very careful and, and not make uh, false or misleading environmental claims about their products, for example. Um, mm-hmm. unless, you know, unless you have it backed up by testing, you shouldn't be making claims about, you know, how, uh, environmental it is or how, uh, you know, the level of recyclability. And on that, we just literally, um, entered into uh, what we call a consent agreement with Keurig Canada for them having made false or misleading representations about the recyclability of their coffee pots. Right. And they had to pay a significant financial uh, financial mm-hmm. penalty, excuse me um, so that's another important area um for businesses to make sure they don't go down that road uh, generally speaking, you know false or misleading representations in your advertisement, and there's, there's different ways it can happen can get you uh, into trouble with the bureau and you know, just to to go back to some people wonder, well, what does that have to do with competition? Well, if you're if you're lying or misleading people to get customers to get people to buy your products, you, you know that's not healthy competition because the people right. who are telling the truth aren't getting aren't getting um, that that They're business. Right. So you know you, you need to watch out for those things. We also um, we also provide information to help businesses like for example today is the first day of fraud prevention month and that's that's an annual thing that's uh run by the competition bureau um, the rcmp and the canadian anti-fraud center in collaboration and we uh, go throughout the month to raise awareness about uh, fraud and fraudulent practices in Mm -hmm. Canada. So people can be aware of it and uh, recognize it and report it. And of course, businesses just like anybody else can be victims of fraud. And there are multiple different um, areas where, where businesses can be victimized, where we've gone after fraudsters um, for, you know, things like subscription traps. Uh, There's something called the CEO scam, uh, there's the yellow Wait, page invoices scam. Hold on, that
0: that sounds like what's the CEO scam?
1: CEO's uh, scam is somebody um, makes a fake email uh, from the CEO. It looks like it's from the CEO to maybe somebody who's in the finance department that the CEO needs X money transferred oh, okay. really quickly to this this account, this bank, this business. And the money's totally um, totally not destined in a legitimate way, and it's gone um, and of course there's a we've pros, we've dealt with in the past um, invoice uh, scams which um, there was a company that was pretending to be like the yellow pages back when uh, people had uh, yellow page phone books and and even online yellow page phone books and would send invoices that appeared as if you the company had a contract for a yellow page ad. Um and and somebody in in the finance department would get the invoice say, oh well this must be and they'd pay them. Right. Of course. And it was there there was no ad, there was no nothing. So um sorry wow. I got off on a ta- I got off on a tangent there. <laughs> That's but-
0: okay. We were <laughs> talking about sort of examples of of you know victims and specific yeah. that are happening
1: so businesses and and small medium sized enterprises can can be victims uh they're very you know uh, we understand i understand entrepreneurs small businesses are focused on their business are focused on on growing their business doing the best they can getting the most and so these things can sort of sneak up on you because you're not expecting this kind of uh fraudulent activity Absolutely. now the other um area where you know um we want businesses to reach out to us and and let us know if if they fear this is happening or they think this is happening to them is what we call uh, abuse of dominance, which is which is sort of to to summarize it. It's when a big company that has a dominant position in the market is engaging in anti-competitive conduct to hurt. Competitors to prevent competitors from getting into the market to exclude them, um, and you know on our on our website uh, competitionbureau.gc.ca we have lots of guidance uh, material available okay. um, for people who are wondering if maybe they're the victim of an anti-competitive uh, scheme or to learn more about. Uh, deceptive marketing practices or fraud practices that they may be uh, victimized by. So, um, I would encourage uh, folks listening to take a look at our website. Remember our website, even if you don't take a look at it, in case something does happen where you think, hmm, um, and and look at look at what we have there, and then contact us if you if you believe that you've been the victim of something, um, I should also say that if perhaps as a result of this, of this podcast, uh, you come to the realization that maybe your company has been, for example, participating in price fixing or bid rigging. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the, the end of the earth we uh, we have, Programs where people can self-report, and um the uh, the first company or person to self-report can actually get immunity from prosecution in right. exchange for telling the bureau about um about what's what's happened and providing the evidence that they have. And then even the second company to come in can get much treat much more lenient treatment. And how they're handled uh, in a prosecution uh, of the case. So that's worthwhile uh, for people to think about. I don't, you know, hopefully nobody in this audience has done that.
0: (laughs) Hopefully they're not. But just curious. Let's just pick on price fixing as an example right now is Mm -hmm. federal, but can price fixing be regional or, or even local? Absolutely. If so, so I you say, know, are you the right pathway to suggest maybe we've, you know, I'm just picking on price fixing. We're it. Deceptive. You're it.
1: We're it. Uh, you're For the, the whole fashion. country. Okay. For the whole country. So, okay. price fixing can absolutely be, be regional or local, or mm-hmm. as can bid rigging. And bid rigging often is. Bid rigging, what we see right. in a lot of bid rigging is on, um, Municipal or provincial contracts related to yes. roads or infrastructure, yes. sidewalks, um, and so you know we've been a, a, able to prosecute, uh, investigate, and then and and then have the prosecutors uh, prosecute these cases on you know regional bases as well as national bases as well as international. Price fixing can be international. Right. And, and we have had over the years many large international price fixing cases. Uh, for example, earlier in the 2010s, um, well, for years, we uh, investigated m- multiple um, price fixing and bid rigging conspiracies related to uh, the sale of auto parts. various auto parts to uh, original equipment manufacturers, primarily Japanese um, auto companies. Uh, And there were guilty pleas, multiple guilty pleas in Canada, where tens of millions of dollars were paid in fines by these um, auto part manufacturing companies. So it, it can go from all over the world down to your neighborhood in terms of price fixing or bid rigging.
0: Well, and we've talked a, a little a few examples, like the Keurig and the auto parts. Are there any other examples or I, I guess even from a what's happening the most what what sort of complaints are you getting right now uh, in today's digital era if if digital plays a part in that and you, you know for what people should be aware of
1: so uh we we re- see thousands of complaints every year okay. i don't know the exact number for 2021 <laughs> but it's it's thousands and um our complaints are all over the map in terms of the different areas where, okay. where we enforce the law
0: okay
1: the, the majority uh year over year are deceptive marketing okay. uh, matters where people are content- contacting us to uh complain about a particular practice in a particular industry. Are you know, you mentioned uh, digital and digital economy. That has been a key area of focus for the Bureau for multiple years now. I mean, certainly since since I've been commissioner and even my predecessor put uh, tremendous emphasis on investigations in the digital economy. Uh, we have brought many, many cases. I mean, I could run through a list of, of companies where we've uh, brought cases against them in the digital economy for practices, uh, you know, online, um, okay. whether they're uh, deceptive marketing or other, uh, other types of cases. I mean, you know, uh, throughout a series of years, we went after basically all the large car rental companies for deceptive marketing. We went, we've gone after Ticketmaster um, for deceptive marketing. We've gone after Bell Canada, Rogers Telus for deceptive marketing, right. uh, so mil- you know,
0: big players. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of common in our work is that we're often dealing with the, you know, some of the biggest companies in Canada. Mm-hmm. If not, bigger, biggest companies around the world. We've we've had. Um, I can't remember what year it was, but I think it was 2017. We had a case against Amazon for deceptive marketing practices in how they were representing uh, the price of a of a good in the market generally, and then their price. And ultimately, they settled with us and paid a, a fine. <laughs> Um, and as a result of our case, they changed their algorithm and how it worked, not just in Canada, but around the world. Wow. Great. Um, We have, you know, it's public knowledge. We have an active investigation into Amazon right now. Uh, can't get into details, but, uh, we also have an active investigation into Google, uh, right now. Um, so and those investigations are more on the abuse of dominance side. What I okay. talked about earlier,
0: absolutely. And I'm curious, Matthew, when when we're looking at those big companies like Google and Facebook, is it really from a Canadian only context, or are you sort of banding together with other uh, competition bureaus? Or, or
1: yeah, yeah, good question. So both. Um, when it comes to applying the law in Canada, that is, you know, we have to—we don't just make decisions at the bureau and and issue fines, right? We have to take our cases to court, uh, no matter what. All all our cases end up in court or in front of something called the comp- Competition Tribunal. Um, so we have to prove it, and in in um, those cases where there's. Um, International element to it. When we're investigating in Canada, we have to prove it under the Canadian law and the, and okay. the intricacies of the Canadian law. But that's very similar to other jurisdictions. So we will um, we spend a fair bit of time uh, on international cooperation and collaboration, and we need it to get better quite frankly. Uh, and mm-hmm. that's something we're pushing. We need to be able to share information more readily across borders and to collaborate on these uh, investigations more. So that's something that that I'm actively engaged in trying to enhance the international cooperation. But yes, the short answer is yes, we work with our partners around the world. I mean, our our key partners, and they've always been our key partners, are the two agencies in the United States. The United States Department of Justice Antitrust Division and the United States Federal Trade Commission. I mean, just makes sense. We're you know we're neighbors. We're the biggest trade partners, so we work with them a lot. But we also work very closely with um, the European Union, the United Kingdom, Australia, Ireland, Japan, Korea. Wow! It, because because it's a global. I mean, in a global world, yeah, in a digital world, um, this stuff, whatever whatever's happening that, that appears to be bad or might be bad is often going on all over the place. So right. we need to work together.
0: Absolutely. Well, and I'm, talking about just the Canadian context, uh, for now uh, is, um, what three industries do you see with the greatest opportunity to increase competitive intensity?
1: So we, uh, we think about sectors, um, and it's it's interesting to say competitive intensity. We we do prioritize certain sectors. I mean, as I've said, yeah. we we um, our law covers basically business activity throughout Canada. Um, but over the last several years and going into uh, this year, you know, we are very active in the telecom space, uh, construction and infrastructure space. Digital economy uh, matters and health. Um, we have a fair bit of expertise in, in those areas, um, and we—this is where our advocacy uh, comes in. We try and provide provide advice to governments to encourage competition, to facilitate competition, uh, for the benefit uh, of the general economy, but also for the benefit of small and medium-sized enterprises, uh, so they can, they can participate. A great example of this is the work we've been doing in fintech, um, okay. financial technology, uh, since back in 2017. We um, did a market study in this area back then. We've been advocating to the federal government uh on issues in fintech since that time and the government is continuing to examine the the issues with what uh, they call open banking which is to have the ability to move your data from one financial institution to another seamlessly to allow you to switch um to provide you with new innovative services in terms of your financial uh your financial management the fi- uh, of your life right. um and this is obviously very important to consumers we see many other jurisdictions around the world well ahead of canada and and those jurisdictions where consumers have great choice in terms of the products they can use um the the institutions they can Access for mm-hmm. their financial management, so that's that's a, a sort of a high level federal example of of how we advocate, and that's kind of fintech is is in the digital space, the digital economy, but we do stuff as well that people would be, I think, surprised to hear. I mean, um, before Uber became what Uber is now in Canada and Lyft and other ride sharing um companies you know we put out a white paper that was quite controversial at the time with certain people uh because it it spelled out the advantages of opening up um the uh, the taxi market effectively to ride sharing and how it would you know how that competition would spur uh better service um, new, you know, innovative products where you can see on your phone where the vehicle is, blah, blah, blah. And um, that, our, our white paper and and our intervention there uh, was relied upon by multiple different municipalities to say, yeah, we should allow ride sharing. So that's kind of a, uh, an example on the municipal basis where taxis were controlled and and that was, was it's not been a com- complete success as there are areas that still don't allow it but that's a whole nother issue and, is. and recent <laughs> recently um we did uh some interventions on food trucks and and municipal rules on where food trucks could park and how they weren't allowed to park near restaurants and and how this was really you know, a barrier to competition that, um, you know, and we ask when we do these things, we ask the regulators or the policymakers to consider, like, is it, is it a necessary um, barrier to competition? Uh, is there, is, is there a valid reason for it? Cause there may be a valid reason for it. Some other policy reason that we don't, you know, we don't want to opine on that. We just ask them to think about these things because, um, and I'll tell you, Angela, Canada yeah. is is 33, let me just check this number before I say it out loud. In 2018, Canada was 33rd out of 34 OECD countries in what they call uh, the Product Market Regulation Indicators, which is a basket of indicators the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, uses to look at Regulatory barriers to competition in a country. We came second last.
0: I was going to say, so let's just put that in context. We are almost dead last.
1: We beat Turkey.
0: We beat Turkey. Okay. And I was going to ask you, and since you sort of prefaced it with that number, is, you know, you and I have talked before, and I got a hint that you were actually quite concerned about Canada's lack. Of innovation culture, what what does that mean, and how can we address that?
1: Really, I'm not actually. (laughs) Let me put it this way: I'm not actually concerned about Canada's innovation culture. Okay, I think we have an incredible ability to be uh, a very innovative uh, country with new new ideas, new products. We have incredibly well educated uh, population. We have, you know, an entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, we're, you know, we're beside uh, the United States, one of the most sort of um, innovative con- economies. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I think we have the ability and the opportunity, but I think things like, you know, coming second last in, in uh, barriers to competition in terms of regulations, in the OECD, that's what's holding us back. You know, in 2008, yeah. the federal government had um, a a blue ribbon panel. It's been referred to as to look into competition in Canada. And one of their conclusions was Canada is a jurisdiction that doesn't place enough emphasis on competition. Okay. And and we need to change that.
0: Matthew, could you give us some insight on the, I mean, 33 out of 34, so nearly dead last in you know, the, the product market indicators. What do, we, what do we do? I mean, you mentioned simply asking the question, is that a necessary piece of policy or legislation or red tape? And even if there was historically some valid reason why it was in place, I mean, just asking the question is perhaps one. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what else can we do at each level of, of government? And I'm, I'm picking on government because businesses, uh, you know, are, are susceptible. Mm-hmm.
1: What, what
0: else can we do to get us up that ranking?
1: Well, I mean, there's an, a standing OECD recommendation to Canada that we implement uh, what we call uh, competition impact assessments into our regulate, regulatory mechanisms, like for making regulations, reviewing regulations, that it be a requirement that you consider wow. how a regulation impacts competition in the market in question. And that could be done at all levels of government. And who
0: I mean, does that? Matthew, I mean, who would be that person? Is it like an, a bit like you guys are an independent law enforcer? Do you imagine it being an independent competition review organization consultancy person?
1: How- well, I mean, you, you you I I haven't fully thought that through in terms of how it would be done in Canada, but you, you know, you develop people who have an expertise in competition. The bureau has 400 of them. Um, and you, and that, you know, we, obviously it can't be the bureau for the whole country to look at every regulation, but, yes. um, you, you sort of systematically have a team that looks at these and provides honest advice to those in positions of power that, you know, we don't need this regulation. It's hindering competition in this market. We should get rid of it. Um, And then there'll be, you know, the people who we elect to make decisions will make decisions. Um, But yeah, you kind of systematically need to go about it. If you're, you know, you start with new regulations (coughs) that are being put in place, whatever they may be, and just do the assessment. And some, many, many will be like, no, there's no impact on competition whatsoever. But some will be like, why do we, why are we doing that?
0: Absolutely. Well, and I have this, you know, sort of theory that um, if we had a and I'm picking a little bit on infrastructure development, but if we had a low barrier to build zone in every municipality, that which would be kind of an innovation hub, right, where uh, while in in maybe the whole community wide uh, infrastructure, Yes, we have hundreds of building codes, whereas in the low barrier to build code, yes, we can bring in 3D printers and start building homes and infrastructure, right? It, it exponentially faster and cheaper, more affordably with something like 3D printers, where the construction codes haven't necessarily caught up and incorporated that type of building construction. That's just one example. So I have this theory that the, the, the innovation zone uh, can, can speed up, Access to innovation in uh, in local communities.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. No, there's uh, there's a lot of debate about how to spur innovation, um, and it's important debate. It's for the future of the country. Um,
0: Absolutely,
1: and competition what, is an important piece.
0: Well, and there was one one thing I want to ask. Uh, directing people, we've got your resources at the Competition Bureau where people can actually go and uh, access. Acts and the the detail to ensure that they are in compliance. Mm-hmm. We then have the uh, um, you know the perhaps violators or or people who feel violators themselves or people who might be victims can connect with the bureau. What's the best way for them to connect with you, Matthew?
1: So um, the through our website right now is okay. is the best way. There's a that we have an online. Intake form where people can provide information, and um, we will have whatever subject matter it is. We'll have uh, people look at it and uh, determine if there's, you know, something there to pursue. Um, If if they're self-reporting in terms of a um, a cartel activity, there's they can go on the bureau on the bureau's website and find out the uh, appropriate number to call. uh, which is to seek what we call a marker uh, to get their spot in line um, for immunity or leniency. Uh, very, very important. And, and people should understand, um, you know, sometimes people are worried. Oh, well, if I, you know, if I say something, Whistleblower. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to suffer consequences as a result mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Um we have in the whistleblower context there are um, rules in the competition act about the protection of whistleblowers okay. In, okay. in other areas where it's companies complaining about anti-competitive conduct you know we have strict confidentiality provisions that that we respect and we pay very close attention to uh, for you know information received uh, so it's not like you tell us one day and like three days later we're going to tell the world that you know so-and-so is complaining uh, but it's very it's very important that we hear from the marketplace on issues uh, going on out there. And that's why in the Amazon, the current Amazon investigation, we put out a call out to the marketplace, people who uh, might be selling on Amazon uh, to provide us with information, if they have any, with respect to some of the questions we asked. And you can see our call out, the specific things we're interested interested in uh right. on our website okay. i mean okay. if you googled if you if you put into a search engine google or you know duck duck go or whatever uh competition bureau amazon you're going to get uh that call out that we put out and right. we've put out other call outs about the digital economy so we need to hear we need to hear from people you know as i say Absolutely. there's 400 of us but we're not We're not everywhere in the country at one time in every economy or in every market. And so we do rely on hearing from people.
0: And I, I think that's really one of the most important takeaways right here is, you know, you're a central bureau, but you're, you're part of the voice of Canadian business. And I think if, if people are experiencing uh, you know, a lack of, of competition in whatever respect, it's worth noting, worth reaching out to you having a look at what the calls are already because there there might already be something that's in the works. Mm -hmm. People weren't aware of. I, and so, you know, as part of my goal was to bring a little bit more attention to the uh, competition bureau and the great work that it's doing here for, for Canadians.
1: Mm, Thank you. I I mean um, it, it is, it is vital that we have intelligence we're We're focusing more on proactive intelligence in the marketplace, uh, and we're developing tools for proactive intelligence, which um, I'm very excited about. We're going to you know we're gonna use the forensic tools and and other tools in the digital economy to be more aware of what's going on out there. but that doesn't that's never going to mean we don't need to know from people who are living it every day. Absolutely.
0: Matthew, I just want to say thank you for investing some time with us here on Canada's podcast. And uh, I'm sure we'll see you more and certainly, definitely have the uh, impact of the work that you're doing here to raise Canada. Now we have a big goal to get us above the dead second last position in a global uh, product market uh, <laughs> session. So uh, we'll we'll hold you to that. Maybe we connect in five more years and see if we're... We're ahead of the game.
1: (laughs) Sounds good. Well, thank you very much, Angela. It It was a pleasure.